A-L-P-H-A-M-E-N, the Alpha Male Entertainment Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, U.S.A. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General, General cigar, cigar Dave. Dave, Dave. Well, on Sunday, tomorrow... It is Veterans Day, observed annually on November 11th, that honors military veterans, persons who served in the United States Armed Forces, and it coincides with other holidays, including Armistice Day and Remembrance Day, celebrated in other countries that mark the anniversary of the end of World War I, the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month in the year 1918. The armistice with Germany went into effect, and in 1954, Armistice Day renamed Veterans Day. And that's what we commemorate this weekend. Officially, it is tomorrow, but Monday is when the government, I should say, observes it. But we will make the entire weekend Veterans Day weekend here on the Cigar Dave Show. Long-ash greetings and salutations, a long-ash snappy salute, Semper Delictatio. Always pleasure, long live the alpha, make America great again, make masculinity great again, screw the enemies of pleasure. As always, your five-star commanding general and global alpha male-in-chief with a long-ash snappy salute, especially to all of our great veterans who are amongst us this weekend. As it is our tradition here on the Cigar Dave Show for any major holiday, we bring in the great John Wayne for the Pledge of Allegiance, followed by Doug Allen with the Star Spangled Banner. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Oh! 
great Doug Allen, the anthem singer for the Buffalo Sabres. On November 11th, 1919, U.S. President Woodrow Wilson issued a message to his countrymen on the first Armistice Day in which he expressed what he felt the day meant to Americans. It is appropriate that we replay that for you today. A year ago today, our enemies laid down their arms in accordance with an armistice which rendered them impotent to renew hostilities and gave to the world an assured opportunity to reconstruct its shattered order and to work out in peace a new and juster set of international relations. The soldiers and people of the East of the European allies had fought and endured for more than four years to uphold the barrier of civilization against the aggressions of armed force. We ourselves had been in conflict, in the conflict, something more than a year and a half. With splendid forgetfulness of mere personal concerns, we remodeled our industries, concentrated our financial resources, increased our agricultural output, and assembled a great army so that at the last, our power was a decisive factor in the victory. We were able to bring the vast resources, material and moral, of a great and free people to the assistance of our associates in Europe who had suffered and sacrificed without limit in the cause for which we fought. Out of this victory, there arose new possibilities of political freedom and economic concert. The war showed us the strength of great nations acting together for high purposes, and the victory of arms foretells the enduring conquests which can be made in peace when nations act justly and in furtherance of the common interests of men. To us in America, the reflections of Armistice Day will be filled with solemn pride in the heroism of those who died in the country's service, and with gratitude for the victory, both because of the thing from which it has freed us and because of the opportunity it has given America to show her sympathy with peace and justice in the Council of Nations, Woodrow Wilson. Well, unfortunately, World War II would break out some 25 years later, but since that time, that 1918 Armistice Veterans Day, Armistice Day, and subsequently Veterans Day, an important part of our American calendar. And I can think of nobody more appropriate than to join us, a longtime friend of the Cigar Dave Show, a veteran himself, served in Afghanistan. We've got the great Scotty Neal, who, in addition to being a great American warrior, he is also one of the founders of American Freedom Distillery, the distillers of horse soldier bourbon and a wrecker silver rum. Scotty, it is great to be broadcasting front and center right from the American Freedom Distillery in St. Petersburg. Thank you, Cigar Dave, and more than happy to talk to everybody about this Veterans Day and uh, what it means to all of us. And what does it mean to you? You have served uh, so nobly uh, as a Green Beret. What does it mean to you? Well, you know, it's interesting. You know, how do you go from somebody that serves their entire life as in service to finally consider themselves a veteran? Right. I still consider myself active in today's politics, active with army issues and special forces issues. A lot of my friends uh, are still commanders that are active. My son's in, in the active. So the veteran part is kind of new to me. Was it a difficult transition going from active to retired? It is, especially when you live here in Tampa Bay and you have the headquarters of CENTCOM and SOCOM. So all of your friends are still in uniform. So even, you know, for a beer or a bourbon later after the day, you still get caught up into the conversations of the war on terrorism, what's going on. And for me, you know, I'm pushing 50 and I don't consider myself the vision of a veteran 
that you would normally think of yourself. I see myself as an active part of the community, and uh, I should honor other veterans. Well, it's interesting because we uh, originate from St. Petersburg, Pinellas County, but Hillsborough County, as you mentioned, the home of Central Command, McDill Air Force Base, and uh, Special Forces as well. Mm -hmm. But when you look at Hillsborough County, it is the largest county in terms of veteran population in the state of Florida, I believe around 70,000 veterans. And when you look at the state of Florida, there are 1.55 million veterans uh, in the state. So it is a just huge, just behind California with 1.7 million and Texas with 1.58 million veterans. So when you look at the number of veterans that served in, there's still about 60,000 uh, World War II veterans mm -hmm. still alive with us in the state of Florida. But when we look at the number of post 9-11 veterans, 175,000. Big number. You're one of them, Scotty. Yes, thank you. It, you know, a couple things. One, because uh, especially for Tampa Bay being the headquarters of Special Operations Central Command, a lot of us end up retiring. That's like our last stint in the military. And then our kids are of high school and college age. So you just end up staying here. And Florida is really nice. Second of all, you have probably the best VA health care treatment centers here in the Tampa Bay area, which attracts a lot of veterans. And then once again, you know, it's the Sunshine State. So if I'm a veteran, where do I get to choose to live? I get to choose to live in Florida. But, Scotty, you are a Florida native. Yes. You are. You grew up in Kissimmee before Kissimmee was Kissimmee. Yes, I did. Actually, my uh, family has been here and fought in all three Seminole Indian Wars. They are actually were on the veteran rolls and received a monthly stipend back in the late 1850s. That is incredible. I mean, it is, you know, we, it's, first of all, when somebody says I'm a native Floridian, that in and mm -hmm. of itself is, uh, raises eyebrows. But when you look back and your family goes way back to the 1850s, mm -hmm. that's even more incredible. And when you look at Kissimmee today, which is just south of Orlando by the Disney World area, when you grew up, you told me you grew up on a farm. I grew up on the cattle ranches cattle and ranch. orange groves. So if you think about Central Florida at the time, it really was dominated by massive, massive uh, open ranches that would take cattle up and down the Panhandle area, and then they would disembark them either into Cuba or Central America or for the war effort in World War One, World War Two. And when you look at the number of airports in the state of Florida that were originally uh, uh, military training bases, it's incredible, whether it's Sebring mm -hmm. or even when you look at Tampa International, which uh, used to be called, uh, I think it was Drew Field, going back at all these airports, they were built to train World War II uh, pilots. World War II aviation. And then you look at the uh, Don Cesar Hotel, which was a veteran's hospital. You look at the Vinoy, which is right. a veteran's hospital for World War II soldiers recovering from battlefield abnormalities at the time, which was PTS and PTSD. So Tampa Bay has had a long history. And then also my father was here during the Cuban Missile Crisis and was out of McDill. Interesting. And I'm sure he's got some great stories yes, about he that. Did. I'm he sure discovered he... Gasparilla Pirate Festival at a very young age and shared me uh, with all those shenanigans when he was younger. And I'm sure uh, the stories and I, at that time when you talk to people who lived through it, they were convinced they were going to nuclear war. Yes. Everybody was afraid the skies were dark with daily aircraft. You know, the, the average population, which once again, you only had radio in rural Florida at the time, and you just heard all of this, and just everything was a buzz and soldiers all around. And they really, really thought that it could be the beginning of the end of days. Our Veterans Day observance continues. Our special guest, Scotty Neal, 
Green Beret, Afghanistan veteran, and one of the co-founders of American Freedom Distillery, the distillers of Horse Soldier Bourbon and Wrecker Rum, which we will enjoy today during the National Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony. We will continue our Veterans Day discussion front and center on The Cigar Dave Show. The Cigar Dave Show honors all who served to preserve the ideals with which our country was built. We're honoring all veterans this Veterans Day. As we celebrate Veterans Day weekend, wanted to take a few minutes to talk about the results of this week's election, some of which are still not done and go over a couple of interesting developments in the world of cigars as it pertains to potential cigar tobacco tax increases, which voters in Montana and South Dakota had an opportunity to weigh in on earlier this week. First up, we will talk later in the our Veterans Day edition of uh, today's Cigar Dave show with Scotty Neal. We'll talk about the outrageous skit that was done, the the mocking of Dan Crenshaw, a former Navy SEAL, who lost uh, one of his eyes, has lost his eyesight in one of his eyes due to a, uh, an IED explosion in Afghanistan. And on SNL, they mocked him. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But the good news, Dan Crenshaw, who prior to that SNL mocking, many people didn't really know, former Navy SEAL, believe it or not, he was a one-time President Trump critic, won his race for a congressional seat in the Houston area. He's 34 years old. He was elected to the U.S. House this past Tuesday, beating out Democrat Todd Litton in the vacant Houston area district. Former Navy SEAL, as I mentioned, he's now being lauded as a Republican rising star. So good to see that. We'll keep an eye on him in Washington. Also, we talked about the untimely passing of a good friend of ours, the owner of the Moonlight Bunny Ranch in Nevada, Dennis Huff, who was running for Nevada State Assembly on the Republican line. Well, on Monday, he was laid to rest in a lipstick red casket that was strewn with roses, a floral floral arrangement approximating the silhouettes of two mating rabbits marked his grave perfect for Dennis. The next day, he was posthumously elected to the Nevada State Assembly as a Republican, died October 16th at the age of 72, and Tuesday he beat the Democrat with 63% of the vote. Now another Republican will fill his seat for the Nevada State Assembly. So uh, interesting development there. Now, two potential taxes, cigar tax raises in Montana and South Dakota. First up in Mouth, uh, Mouth Dakota, no, Montana. I-185, an issue of 185, sought to raise the tax on other tobacco products, including premium cigars, by 33 to 83% of the wholesale price. The good news, the bill was defeated. It lost. 53% of the voters said, "Ah, nope, don't want any more taxes, uh, especially to fund Medicaid. Not happening. In South Dakota, Voters voted on Initiative Measure 25 that would increase the tax on cigarettes as well as other tobacco products, including cigars, from 35 to 55% of the wholesale price. 
They rejected it by 55%. So good news. Two potential taxes, both killed in Montana and South Dakota. Now, for the Cigar Dave Officers Club November 2018 selection, we have outdone ourselves. We're calling it the World of Davidoff, and it features three cigars, including for the first time ever, a Davidoff-branded cigar. In the World of Davidoff November 2018 selection, we've got the Davidoff Winston Churchill, the late hour. We've got the Avo Synchro Nicaragua and the Camacho Corojo, big, bold cigar. But that Davidoff Winston Churchill late hour, that is the showstopper featuring cigar tobaccos that are aged six months in uh, old scotch whiskey barrels. A fabulous cigar. If you're not a member of the Officers Club, go to CigarDave.com and join right now. Whether you say Semper Fi or sing Anchors Away, we salute you this Veterans Day for protecting our country and freedoms. freedoms. Or Semper Paratus, the theme song of the United States Coast Guard. Let us not forget them. Our Veterans Day commemoration here on the Cigar Dave Show. Veterans Day 2018 is tomorrow, Sunday, November 11th. 2018, designated as a federal holiday, though, for Monday, November 12th. And even though as a federal holiday, Veterans Day typically observed on November 11th every year, if it occurs on a Sunday, then the following Monday is designated as the federal holiday. And 2018, this year, marks the centennial uh, commemoration of the end of World War I. 100 years ago, November 11th, 1918, The theme for the 2018 Veterans Day poster is The War to End All Wars, features a poppy and barbed wire. And in Canada and in Europe, I know Mick the Brit, traditionally they wear the uh, poppy on their lapel or on their shirt, which commemorates Remembrance Day for them and would be our Veterans Day. Scotty Neal, just a longtime friend of the Cigar Dave Show. We've had him on many times. He is a... I say retired Green Beret, but I don't think deep down I think he's still going to be always active. But Scotty Neal, also a founder of American Freedom Distillery, which distills the Horse Soldier Bourbon and the Wrecker Silver Rum, and we will talk about that in just a little bit. But Scotty, what is it most that you miss about being in the service, and what is it least that you don't miss? <laughs> Well, I think the most important thing you miss is just the camaraderie around everybody. And Green Berets, I was only on two teams for 17 years, right, of 12 men. And just like a firehouse or a police station, you form an incredible bond. Your kids grow up together. And then also there's this importance of purpose and mission. What I don't miss is getting up that early. And uh, I don't miss putting on the fancy uniform for parades and ceremonies. How about uh, when you get those late night calls? Did you, I'm sure you got calls saying you need to be here, or here's what's. You know, we're not going to tell you what's going on or where you're going. Did that occur on a regular basis? Well, uh, I think I spoke about it before. On 9/11, we were actually on a training exercise for a mock terrorist event, and then to learn that it is real, um, we actually then departed on 28 September to go into the Middle East of 2001. 
So it is true, you know, at, at any time or any reason or any call, you can be deployed. You have to say goodbye to your family, and I'm not sure when I'll be back home. Where did you serve? What, where were you based uh, I was through the based, 17 years? I was based out of Fort Campbell, Kentucky, and that's home of the 5th Special Forces Group. And the 5th Special Forces Group uh, area was the Middle East. So think all the way from Uzbekistan and Tajikistan all the way through Afghanistan and Pakistan into Iraq, Iran. So any of the uh, Muslim regions and all of those things into North Africa, those are where we focused. So really CENTCOM was... It, Pretty much you work yep. one-on-one yes. on a regular Many basis countries since the 90s, you know, I would spend four to six months in various countries doing anything from medical uh, missions in Africa to treat villagers and their their um, animals to counterterrorism missions to weapons of mass destruction. So if you go down the portfolio of special operations missions, you never knew until you got the folder that says this is your mission on this deployment. So the Green Berets were not just about uh, grabbing guns and going into territories and starting to uh, gain territory and eliminate the enemy. In many cases, you were dealing with the locals establishing goodwill. Yeah, that's, you know, what's uniquely different to the Green Berets is we're by, with, and through. And our motto is free the oppressed. So we are the softer side of soft, right? We are more the diplomatic warrior that goes in and negotiates and uh, gets there before the crisis and can defuse it before it comes into something that other major forces need to become involved. And there's there is a misconception. Everybody thinks the Green Berets always go in with guns a blazing, and what we've just learned that's not true. That's not true. But then again, we can come in the middle of the night and, uh, and <laughs> when necessary uh, quickly take care of the situation. The motto should be: uh, we're the softer side of the military, but don't screw with us because right. if you do. Big trouble. Scotty Neal, a great veteran, served in Afghanistan, Green Beret for 17 years, Scotty? Yes, sir. 17 years now, one of the co-founders of American Freedom Distillery in St. Petersburg, Florida. They are the distillers of horse soldier bourbon whiskey and wrecker silver rum. And the good news is when we celebrate our Veterans Day National Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony, we'll pair up a great cigar with their great bourbon as we continue. The Cigar Dave Officers Club selection this month is the world of Davidoff, including the Davidoff Winston Churchill Late Hour. This complex cigar has robust flavors of black pepper, dark coffee, sweetness, old leather, and spiciness that tantalizes the palate. Want these cigars shipped directly to you each month? Log on to CigarDave.com to join the Officers Club. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional Line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown 
Padrón Habano Tobacco. Available in natural or maduro. Experience Padrón. For your Padrón retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padrón is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy. It's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. As we commemorate Veterans Day 2018, it is only appropriate we have a cigar that has some connection to the United States, and I can think of no better cigar than the Brick House, Connecticut. This is the original Brick House did not have a Connecticut wrapper, but this unique brick house with a very nice Connecticut shade wrapper, actually two types of Connecticut leaf. It is called the Brick House Double Connecticut, joins the original Brick House and Brick House Maduro. Third blend in the Brick House brand from JC Newman Cigars. The new blend uses a USA Connecticut shade grown wrapper and a Connecticut broadleaf binder. And I'm talking USA Connecticut, not Ecuadorian Connecticut. All Nicaraguan filler comes in six different sizes. I have pulled out the mighty, mighty. Because when you think about the United States Armed Forces and our great veterans, they are indeed mighty. Six and a quarter inches in length with a 60 ring gauge, almost an inch in diameter for the ring gauge, 60, 60 fourths of an inch. Suggested retail, $7, not going to break the bank. Rolled at their Pensa factory in Esteli, Nicaragua and the original Brickhouse line launched in 1937 but resurrected in 2009 and the Brickhouse Connecticut, Double Connecticut, launched in 2017 just about a year and a half ago and that's what I will enjoy today. Cigar altering and highly sharpened leaf exposing device. Well, I've got, it almost looks like a, a bat. This is a double-edged stainless steel guillotine. You open it up, there's a little lever release, put the cigar in, and boom, one shot is all you need, and that's what I will use today. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. We spare no expense to bring the finest litation devices to, I should say me, really, because that's what the Cigar Dave R&D Laboratory guys do. And this thing we just call the blowtorch. We just, that's all we call it the blowtorch because it looks like a welding torch. Just got one single flame. Trust me, if you are engaged in battle against an enemy, fire this bad boy up and you will vaporize the enemy. That's what I will use today from the Cigar Dave R&D Laboratories, the guys with the white pocket protectors. Cigar, Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. And by the way, just in case Robert Mueller is listening, there is no Russian tobacco in this cigar or in the litation device or in this cutter. And if I am subpoenaed, I will not lie. I will testify under oath 
to all of the aforementioned facts. All right, I've just cut the end of my Brickhouse Double Connecticut Mighty Mighty. I will toast the foot of this cigar, and you can hear the massive flame coming from the torch, as we call it. Scott, if you had one of these things on your hip pocket when you're in Afghanistan, trust me, this is better than uh, one of those flamethrowers. I think so. I could have saved many uh, a, a lonely night with a, a, my own torch. <laughs> By the way, let's talk about as I uh, just toast the foot of this uh, Brickhouse Double Connecticut. Were you able to bring cigars over into the Afghan theater of operations? Well, initially we had a few that we took, right? And then we started getting our care packages, and that became that kind of little victory from home. And, right. um, you know, different guys would get different things. Some were a little dried out. I think grandma and mom and, and dad really didn't know how to pack very well. And uh, there, at the time, there was no, you know, official support like what you see today, um, you know, of, of boxes upon boxes of different nonprofits and everything sending over cigars. Well, the manufacturers would always send over cigars, yep. and the FDA, under the Obama administration, enacted the deeming regulations for cigars, which are being challenged in court, and uh, the support that uh, the cigar industry is receiving from the House and the Senate on a bipartisan basis has been fantastic, but they've not been able to overturn the regulations yet, but one of them is that manufacturers can't give away any free cigars. Mm -hmm. And they requested a ruling, a, a uh, clarification from the FDA, from the Tobacco Control Division, saying, look, we want to give these to our soldiers yep. overseas. Can we still do that? The FDA said, absolutely not. Cannot do it, which to me is unconscionable. Screw the FDA. Robert uh, Zeller, I call him, or, or Mitch Zeller is his name. I call him Mitch Zealot, who leads that uh, division at the FDA at the forefront of that. So really, as far as I'm concerned, that is unacceptable because the number one requested item, there are two requested items. Scotty, you know what I'm going to say. Cigars and coffee from our service members overseas. Two number one and two requested items. Exactly, and coffee for the morning and cigar for the little victory at night. Um, whether you had a hard day serving or you survived the battlefield or you're remembering a lost uh, individual, the ritual overseas of having a cigar and sharing it, whether it's members of your command or um, you know even the locals with you talking about American tradition is, is probably one of the most important things you experience as a soldier. And this uh, Brickhouse Double Connecticut, very nice, medium-bodied, very smooth. And we are going to sample two. We're not going to just have one for this Veterans Day edition of the Cigar Dave Show. We're going to have two libation samples, both from the distillery in which Scotty is a founding member and partner, American Freedom Distillery. First up, actually, before we do that, hit it, Sergeant Steve. Scotch, bourbon, and beer. Commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. Scotty, you are one of the co-founders of American Freedom Distillery in St. Petersburg. And before we get into the distillery, let's talk about the first spirit we will sample. This is the Horse Soldier Bourbon Whiskey, and this is the 95 proof. Yes, it is. So Horse Soldier, we were part of the first Green Berets into Afghanistan in 9-11, and we didn't know it at the time, but the only way to get around the Taliban who had captured tanks from Russians and uh, earlier engagements was on horseback. So the symbol on our bottle is actually the horse soldier statue at Ground Zero. 
and uh, it is made by us, uh, former team members of ODA 595, 511, Triple Nickel, and others who were some of the original Green Berets, and it's a fine weeded bourbon. It is, and before I say that, you made the transition from protecting the American dream to living the American dream. Yes, so we make whiskey, not war now. So if you think about from the American Revolution when all the farmers who took up arms to found this great country returned home, and that's how you converted your old grains was into whiskey. George Washington. Yes, George Washington. General Washington, Washington, first president. He was a distiller. And the Whiskey Rebellion, which once again, taxation without representation, the very first tax in America was a tax on whiskey. There you go. And I like what it says here on on the bottle. Horse Soldier Bourbon Whiskey, Legendary Men legendary spirits and this is the reserve select and on the back it says the united states of america was forged by pioneers bold trailblazers explorers and warriors in the american spirit of adventure we proudly present horse soldier bourbon and it is a weeded bourbon and as i take a sip of this i'll have you tell me about it and the mash bill and let's see Uh Mm. oh it is smooth got a little Tad bit of warmth, not mm-hmm. a lot. Smooth, definitely get a little of the woody notes. I'm getting a little bit of sweetness, a little tanginess. This is very pleasant. Thank you very much. Uh, it's amazing that when you hear veterans are making bourbon and whiskey, they're kind of patriotic. They buy a bottle, then we get so many comments back that actually say it doesn't suck. So we- <laughs> <laughs> That's a great comment. <laughs> Tried your whiskey, doesn't suck. Yep. How about, <laughs> hey, your whiskey was great. Love the complexity of it. The flavor in my mouth was overwhelming. (laughs) An explosion of of palatial palatial, uh, uh, flavors and notes. No, no, it doesn't suck. Well, you know, they don't expect that we had took our time and learned from around the world. We really traveled to Scotland and Ireland, and we were mentored by some of the greatest distillers this country has to offer. When they found out we were on this journey to make bourbon, it wasn't a gimmick. It wasn't a marketing ploy. They really embraced us, and they taught us all the behind-the-velvet secrets uh, that you don't get with a distillery tour. So 51% corn by law, we know. That's bourbon. So we're a 70% corn, 20% wheat, and 10% barley. The barley activates the yeast initially, and the wheat is where you see the sweetness right. and the softness, and I call it the little victory in every bottle. All right, and before we – we'll talk more about the uh, horse soldier – Reserve Select Bourbon Whiskey in a bit. But next, we're going to try another spirit on this Veterans Day. This is the Wrecker Silver Rum, a superior silver rum crafted using the finest grade natural ingredients from American Freedom Distillery. Scotty, what is Wrecker? Wrecker is a Viking word for warrior wanderer. So if you think about all of us, especially in special operations, you're alone in small teams, you're on the frontiers of the world. Uh, sometimes you think you're a pirate, um, but then again, you know, the Vikings included their families. There's a lot of history about how they explored the world. And you have two birds above the record. ravens. The ravens. That's what I thought they were, the ravens. So if you think about ravens, ravens intellectually are on the same level as a chimpanzee and a dolphin. They can use tools. Uh, they have empathy. A gathering of ravens is called a conspiracy. So we, we chose it as our spirit animal for rum. And we chose rum. If you think about before uh, the Boston Tea Party, there was the Sugar Act. And that's what really started the descent of America was the taxation of sugar coming from uh, the Caribbean that made rum. Actually, Scotty, let me correct you. A gathering of ravens 
is a team that is four and five right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> but they are better than my Bills at two and seven. I couldn't resist that. I'm formerly from Baltimore, and I've got some friends that have been rubbing it in. And I looked at them and said, have you looked at the, your team's record? I think Harbaugh is going to be uh, the next to go. But in any event, so this silver rum, let me take a sip of it here. Mm. Wow, that is soft. A little bit of sweetness. Very, very tame. Nice. So what's happened in America with rum, we've been given this industrial mm. overprocessed rum as cheap as they can make it, and then we put sugar into it, and right. we put beach drinks, because this is Florida. And what we found is we really, um, about a year ago, we sailed from St. Petersburg, Florida to Cuba in the 50th anniversary of the regatta. And then we jumped ship and we learned how to make rum. And what we learned was using fresh pressed sugar cane, not molasses, was the key to a great rum. This is very pleasant. And you know, this reminds me, it's smooth like a vodka with just a hint of sweetness. And you told me you're also aging rum in your horse soldier bourbon uh, empty barrels. bourbon barrels. Yeah, right so just think about it. When we uh, pour out our barrels, which is the most expensive part of uh, making spirits, we have an empty barrel. So we're storing half of our rum, and the silver is what we sell now. In a couple years, we'll have an aged uh, rum product. And how many years? About two years? About two years to three years. We don't know yet. This is be our first batch. So you got to see. And what's the aging on the horse soldier or bourbon whiskey? Our uh, aging right now is five years. Five years, yeah. which is long because yeah. minimum four, so you're at five. So uh, two years to be called a straight, four years to be called bottled and bond or not have an age statement. So wheat is takes a little more time. So if you think about your pappies, it's a weeded bourbon. If you think about Weller's, it's a weeded bourbon. So we're in the weeded bourbon category. Now, since we're on the topic of the distillery, American Freedom Distillery, how did you all get the idea to say, okay, we're coming back, we're warriors, we need to do something legit? How did you all come up and say, we're going to become distillers? Well, it started three years ago. I used to work for the Green Beret Foundation and raise money for ill, injured, and wounded Green Berets, and I started a program that was going to teach Green Berets how to enter society and start a business. And what I realized is I started this program about starting the business, and I never started a business. So I promptly quit, and I put my money where my mouth is, and I went and seen uh, a co my buddy Coco and uh, his better half, Elizabeth, and we rode horses through Yellowstone. Um, and I just asked them to be a mentor me with me as we started this. But what we both discovered, we both liked bourbon. And then we went to a craft distillery. Then we went to the second craft distillery, the fourth, fifth, tenth, and twentieth craft distillery, and we saw this could be a business opportunity. And that was three years ago. Now was Coco a Green Beret as well? Coco was an earlier generation Green Beret. Think about the first Gulf War. Um, think about South America and mm -hmm. his activities there. And then he became a successful businessman when he transitioned. Somehow the name, the nickname Coco. And Green Beret just doesn't seem to fit together there. I mean, Duke I can see, but Coco? Uh, if you saw him, he's bigger than life, uh, probably one of the most mentally tough persons, yet most yep. empathetic to uh, what he was doing for wounded and fellow soldiers and veterans, and then really to embrace us and take the time to help us establish this business. He could have retired and been off into the sunset, but no, he saw some brothers really wanted to uh, learn about the better side of America, and that's starting your own business. And how many partners are there in American Freedom Distillery? Right now, there are 10 partners. Um, we have one uh, very fine and beautiful Elizabeth. She really is the Snow White. All the packaging, labeling, bottling, everything. 
you know, our wives are involved as well. They help in the ancillary activities, the tastings and everything else. Our kids help bottle. So this really becomes a family of families business amongst us foreign uh, veterans um, serving together. And where can our alphas find the Horse Soldier Bourbon Whiskey and the Wrecker Rum? Well, it's always online. you got to, you know... Admire what happens if you go to our website, www.americanfreedomdistillery.com, all one word, into our web store. You can buy directly online. Uh, there's a few states, according to our government, that we can't ship to, but uh, we do hit almost you know 40-some-odd states that we're able to ship to. So you can ship uh, uh, distilled spirits to 40 states? Yes. Um, it's, it's um, you know, after... Prohibition, the government gave every state to control its own liquor law. So it really started with the wine clubs that right. enabled interstate shipments. So we're learning all of these laws. In Florida, I can't sell it to you directly. Believe it or not, there's a third party that you order through on my line online. But it's also a way that I get to keep my customer. Because in retail world, I may make it, but ABC Liquors is where you go buy it. So I never get to meet my customers. So for on, online sales, it's a way for me to introduce our brand. You're able to buy it, and then I'm able to tell you about our story. So you can ship it, you said, 40 other states. Yep. No problem. Yeah, right there. As soon as you check in the store, it'll tell you exactly where it can go. It tells you how long. Some states you know, have particular signing measures for the bottles. Obviously, you have to be 21 years old. Um, you know, it's really opened up to small businesses. So you think about small craft distilleries. Since World War II, it went from about four to seven distilleries, right, to over 1,500. And so small craft distilleries have to compete against million and billion dollar publicly traded companies with endless marketing budgets. So it's the only way that I can spend my money, introduce myself, and uh, gain a customer at the same time. Now, when you open the distillery here in St. Petersburg in 2019 for tours, the good news in the state of Florida, thanks to our good friends at St. Augustine Distillery, they were able to get the law passed. So now every person can buy two bottles of each brand per year. It's actually expanded since then. It has. Yes, we have to chip away and carve at it. What we fight is uh, it's probably the toughest battle. I mean, I've, I've taken over Afghanistan and Iraq littler time than I have my own legislation in this country. And uh, it started off with just two bottles per person per year. Right. We're up to six bottles per six. person per year. But then again, if you think about all of the craft beer in Florida and just the tourism, we're way behind the rest of the country that does not inhibit small business growth. They allow you to actually buy it by the cocktail, just like a beer and a brew pub can serve you their beer. We still can't. So it's a big, I had to learn to be a warrior at night. Now I have to learn uh, how to fight legislative battles in this town. Well, the good news in Tallahassee is they're figuring it out because when they look at the tourism, you go to St. Augustine Distillery and the old ice factory, Mm -hmm. it is incredible. I've been up there numerous times. The number of people that visit, that brings money into an area. Same thing. With uh, with American Freedom Distillery, they'll be coming in here, walking out with six bottles guaranteed of yes. each. So, so if you think about it, there are 14 million visitors to St. Pete Clearwater Beaches, right? Um, right now in the state of Kentucky, the Bourbon Trail experiences 1.2 million visitors to the Bourbon Trail. I have the opportunity to expose my Florida product in Florida to over 14 million visitors in one shot in my distillery. So, you know, how do you take that message and I deliver it to Wall Street like Mr. Smith and say, hey, you're really inhibiting my brand and my small business and I can't compete against billion-dollar distributors 
um, who want to stop me. Interesting. So, you know, the key is, is that once people come in and find it, they're going to keep coming back. So that's yep. a great thing. And as you keep growing and expanding, it's good for St. Petersburg. It's good for Florida. It's good for tourism. It's good for everybody. Everybody wins. All right. Got to take a short time out. We will continue our Veterans Day commemoration today on the Cigar Dave Show. Honoring those who don the uniform to protect our country. Protect our country. We salute you. From the Cigar Dave Show. Gurkha has just launched three new cigars at the Cigar Dave Alpha Pleasure Fest on the water in Buffalo, the Gurkha Chateau Privé, the Gurkha Marquesa, and Gurkha Ghost Gold, all three unique flavor profiles. The Gurkha Chateau Privé, more traditional, mild, and creamy cigar, typically found in many of the high-end Dominican cigars. Exquisite flavor, very velvety on the palate, featuring an Ecuadorian de Florida wrapper. The Gurkha Marquesa, very Cuban-esque all the way around from flavor and packaging. With an earthy Sumatra wrapper, Gurkha Marquesa is a bold, well-balanced, medium-bodied, and spicy cigar. The Gurkha Ghost Gold, a little different than the regular Gurkha Ghost, more flavor, a little bit bolder, featuring an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper. Instead of a sweet flavor on the Gurkha Ghost, it's a more nutty and earthy Profile: The Gurkha Chateau Privé, the Gurkha Marquesa, and Gurkha Ghost Gold. Three new cigars just launched by Gurkha. Every month, members of the Cigar Dave Officers Club receive fantastic cigars. But I have outdone myself once again. For the first time ever, the November 2018 Officers Club selection entitled The World of Davidoff will feature a Davidoff-branded cigar. We're featuring the Davidoff Winston Churchill, the late hour. When you think of Churchill, you think of cigars, you think of whiskey. Davidoff married both. They took cigar tobaccos, they aged them in single malt scotch whiskey barrels for six months. The result, a beautiful, medium, medium, full, rich tasting cigar. We're also featuring the Avo Synchro Nicaragua, beautiful square pressed cigar, and also the Camacho Corojo, a very big, bold Honduran cigar. Three great cigars in the November 2018 Cigar Dave Officers Club, the world of Davidoff. If you're not a member of the Officers Club, go now to CigarDave.com, 20 $2.95 per month gets you fantastic cigars. Cigardave.com and become a member of the Cigar Dave Officers Club. The Air Force theme, as on this Veterans Day, we pay tribute to every service member and every veteran and every branch of the military. Veterans Day, once again, occurs tomorrow, but it's officially commemorated on Monday. Just a brief history. In 1954, President Dwight D. Eisenhower officially changed the name of the holiday from Armistice Day to Veterans Day. And in 1968... The Congress passed to make sure it was celebrated on November 11th or the first Monday thereafter. Our allies, our friends in Great Britain, France, Australia, Canada, they commemorate the veterans of World War I, World War II by Remembrance Day. And in Europe, the Commonwealth country 
They observe two minutes of silence at 11 a.m. every November 11th. Not a bad idea. I think we should pay tribute to all our veterans. I stop uh, just for a moment, and we are paying tribute to our veterans. And as we continue our next hour from the American Freedom Distillery with our special guest, Scotty Neal, I say a great veteran and retired member of the Green Beret, 17 years serving this country very capably and nobly. Now he is a distiller. We'll continue our number two of this Veterans Day edition of the Cigar Dave Show next. This is AMEM, the Alpha Male Entertainment Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida. U.S.A. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General Cigar Dave. Tomorrow and again Monday... Veterans Day, officially it's tomorrow, November 11th, but the government commemoration is on Monday. Well, we'll celebrate it for both days because, frankly, we cannot do enough for our great veterans. And as we come to you today from American Freedom Distillery in St. Petersburg, there is a great Veterans Day correlation, and that is because the 10 partners and founders of American Freedom Distillery, including our special guest today, Scotty Neal, they're all retired Green Berets, and we have been sampling their Horse Soldier Bourbon Whiskey, their Wrecker Silver Rum, enjoying our Brick House, Mighty Mighty Double Connecticut, all in the spirit of Veterans Day. And in this coming hour, two very important items that we will get to that I could not continue commemorating Veterans Day unless in any way, shape, or form, we brought these two items up. I wish I didn't have to, but we shall. As always, the general and the alpha male-in-chief front and center. I invite you to follow us on social media. If you followed me during election night and the election thereafter, you know I was active. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube. Just go to CigarDave.com, upper right-hand corner. You will see all the links to our social media pages. You can go there, click on it, and follow us. Twitter is at Cigar Dave Show. Facebook and Instagram, both Cigar Dave. And it is my pleasure to welcome back Scotty Neal of American Freedom Distillery. Scotty, I want to bring up something because you have been in Afghanistan, and I hate to. I wish I didn't have to bring this story up and even. And, and talk about this story, but it really is a tragic story, and I want to get your input on it. 39-year-old North Ogden, Utah Mayor Brent Taylor was shot and killed Saturday by an Afghan commando he was training who was then killed by Afghan forces. He's a member of the National Guard serving in Afghanistan, scheduled to return back to U.S. soil in January, and unfortunately, he returned back to U.S. soil, Dover Air, For Air Force Base in Delaware uh, this past week, where his wife uh, was there on hand to greet the casket, and he leaves behind his wife, Jenny, seven children, ranging from 11 months to 13 years of age. And it is believed it is the first time a serving mayor 
was uh, killed in the line of duty serving our country uh, overseas. He had been the town's mayor since North Ogden's mayor since 2013, a member of the city council before that. He was, according to Brent Chug, who served as North Ogden's temporary mayor during Taylor's deployment, he said Brent Taylor was a dynamic individual, very forward-thinking, accomplished great things for our city. Longtime member of the Utah National Guard in January, he was deployed to Afghanistan, served an earlier tour there as a combat advisor to the Afghan border police, completing two tours in Iraq. People just in North Ogden across the country just devastated. 38th U.S. military member killed in action in Afghanistan since the beginning of 2015. Since October 2001, 2,270 of our great men and women service members have lost their life in defense of this country. And it is really heartbreaking. Scotty, when you hear about this, he was actually training uh, other Afghans in service of their country. And uh, this Afghan turned on him, was embedded, and uh, ultimately uh, Mayor Taylor lost his life. And I'm sure you can, this is hard for everybody and certainly for you as a Green Beret and Afghan veteran. It becomes, you know, difficult to understand, especially a lot of the people, you know, when war first kicked off, it was courageous. It was a reprisal for 9-11. And now that it's 17 years later, America really has gone on. And so when they hear this kind of death, it makes everybody question why. And it makes us, you know, ask our leaders, why are we still there and everything? But the soldiers themselves that are still in Afghanistan, they're facing the hardest mission that we could face. Usually an enemy shoots you in the front, yet we're experiencing what's happening today is your allies are shooting you in the back. And so, you know, it's the hardest thing to prepare for, train for, it's unknown, it's sudden. And, um, you know, it takes a great mental toll on those that are still serving the Afghans and the ones that want to be part of their country in transition is to figure out who actually just wants to kill you in the middle of the night or in broad daylight. Here is a, an American service member in assisting the Afghans in getting their country back up, in training their armed forces, and yet somebody that he may have been working with for months, who knows, mm -hmm. weeks, months, and all of a sudden, boom, just turns on him. Uh, you don't know who to trust. You don't know who to trust, and that's part of the psychological warfare that's going on right now, and, and they understand America's weakness is our, our desire to continue to fight um, militarily, they can't take us on directly. They really tried with the IEDs, and America's not, you know, on the battlefield like we used to be. So they're adapting very quickly. And then you got to ask yourself, what motivates an individual to want to shoot an American, knowing that they're going to get shot and killed next? Is it some kind of financial gain or reward to their family? Is somebody else training them, or they're just saying, "Hey, you know, go join, and I want you to do this, this, and this." And it might take a year, and then poof, it's your opportunity. Execute. What did you experience when you were in Afghanistan dealing with the Afghans? Were you mistrustful? Were you always uh, one eye kind of open just in case? Well, you have to be. So the hardest part about being a Green Beret is training by, with, and through, and especially when some of them were foreign enemies. It was the same thing in Iraq. You know, what you're trying to do is motivate them for their end state and a vision for their own country. But you never know. There could be a bounty on your head. Uh, somebody, you know, could be, um, has their family kidnapped and they have to give retribution in order to get their family back. There's all these factors. And that was why we always uh, had no sleep because we basically had to be on guard and on watch for our own selves in our inner circle 24 hours a day. And when you were there initially, 
what was the reception you got? You came in on horse, on horseback, and the first thing you told me was you had to gain trust with a lot of the, uh, I, a very unsophisticated group, really, right. that were, were fighting the Taliban. So if you think about the Afghanistan and a lot of these countries, it's a tribal society, honor, shame, duty respect all of these things like the old wild west meant a lot so we had to you know start the first thing you do is prove that you're capable and competent they didn't know who you were none of them ever had been more than 100 miles from their village they didn't know about 9-11 they don't know what the world trade center is they just knew that you were there for your revenge and they understood it and so we fought their common enemy then we talked about our families we talked about what every human wants, which was a basic right to exist and be alive. So that's how we created the friendship. And then we fought small battles together. They saw us fight. We saw them fight. We treated their wounded. We went the extra mile. And now we became ingrained. In Afghan, that's the culture. You know, if we fight together, you know, we become brothers together. You told me a story where you said, well, we can do this, this, and this. And they said, yeah, we've heard that before. How are you going to do it? And you gave them the binoculars and said, here, watch this. And you made a call. Talk about that. So, you know, what it is, what needed to change on the battlefield, if you think about World War One, that took the tank to break trench warfare, the uh, Afghan militias and small tribal elements, they couldn't get around the tanks that were left over from um, the Soviets. So they needed something to disrupt the battlefield. And for them, they didn't know what 12 men could do. And what they thought is, okay, I already have 500 horsemen. What are 12 more going to do? And we showed them what American 21st century firepower and air power look like. It's unimaginable when nothing comes from the sky and the bunker suddenly explodes in front of you. It's magic. And they thought it was almost a voodoo magic. They called them Malakas, uh, um, the god warriors with thunderbolts and lightning. And they never seen a B-52. They don't know what all of this was on the battlefield. And we instantly changed the momentum and we broke the back of the Taliban within weeks. So you make the call to the B-52 to fire. Right. You're, he's watching it. What was the reaction? Well, it, it's, you know, for us, the, the, the special forces to the Air Force is very transactional. Hey, you, this is me. I've got a great coordinates. I want you to drop a payload. Uh, adjust for fire to the Afghans it's all gibberish talking into a magic box and then all of a sudden you count down because the Air Force tells you you know 30 seconds out 10 seconds out you're pointing to the Afghans no no look and all of a sudden poof boom it just explodes what was the reaction I mean it, it must it have was, been like a, you was, know like how <laughs> it was you know stand up cheering and jeering dancing around you know it it became instantly they knew the war had changed in one bombing that was it they knew that they had the courage. And what happened is they sent riders like Paul Revere to the other villages. And it went from maybe 30 to 100 militiamen to over 5,000 horsemen and infantry within two weeks. But instead of saying the British are coming, they were screaming, the Americans are coming. That's the Americans right. are coming. That's They're right. here. They've come to help us save Afghanistan. Well, Mayor and Major Brent Taylor's wife, in a Facebook post, said the following, Brent may have died on Afghan soil, but he died for the success of freedom and democracy in both of our countries. She and her husband urged Americans to exercise their precious right to vote. It seems only fitting, she said, that her husband has come home to U.S. soil in a flag-draped casket on our election day. 
It's beautiful to see over 4 million Afghan men and women brave threats and deadly attacks to vote in Afghanistan's first parliamentary elections in eight years. The strong turnout, despite the attacks and challenges, was a success for the long-suffering people of Afghanistan and for the cause of human freedom, Mayor and Major Taylor wrote. As the USA gets ready to vote in our own election next week, this is written before uh, the election, before he passed away, I hope everyone back home exercises their precious right to vote and that whether the Republicans or the Democrats win, that we all remember that we have far more as Americans than unites us, that divides us. United we stand, divided we fall. God bless America. And Mayor and Major Taylor was a military intelligence officer with Joint Force Headquarters, served two tours in Iraq on his second tour in Afghanistan, and may he rest in peace. And a little bit later on, we'll tell you about another atrocity that occurred mocking one of our veterans who uh, lost his eye really in defense of this nation while serving uh, overseas. And it is just unconscionable how this took place. It was on Saturday Night Live, which I have not watched for probably well over a year, year and a quarter, because frankly, it's not funny. And uh, back in the good old days, it was funny, but never when it was John Belushi or Dan Aykroyd or Jane Curtin or Billy uh, Crystal, or any of the big names, never would they have resorted to really mocking and making fun of a member of our military, ever. They knew where the line was, and these clowns today, unfortunately, don't. We will continue our Veterans Day commemoration. We're at St. Petersburg, correction, American Freedom Distillery in St. Petersburg. We've got Scott Neal, Green Beret, retired Green Beret, and one of the 10 co-founders of American Freedom Distillery as I enjoy my horse soldier bourbon and my Brickhouse Double Connecticut. We pay tribute to all of our great men and women who served in the armed forces as we commemorate Veterans Day 2008. Freedom isn't free. It takes dedicated soldiers to protect this great country. The Cigar Dave Show honors those who served on this Veterans Day. As we celebrate Veterans Day weekend, wanted to take a few minutes to talk about the results of this week's election, some of which are still not done, and go over a couple of interesting developments in the world of cigars as it pertains to potential cigar tobacco tax increases, which voters in Montana and South Dakota had an opportunity to weigh in on earlier this week. First up, we will talk later in the our Veterans Day edition of uh, today's Cigar Dave show with Scotty Neal. We'll talk about the outrageous skit that was done, the, the mocking of Dan Crenshaw, a former Navy SEAL, who lost uh, one of his eyes, has lost his eyesight in one of his eyes due to a, uh, an IED explosion in Afghanistan. And on SNL, they mocked him. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But the good news, Dan Crenshaw, who prior to that SNL mocking, many people didn't really know, former Navy SEAL, believe it or not, he was a one-time President Trump critic, won his race for a congressional seat in the Houston area. He's 34 years old. He was elected to the U.S. House this past Tuesday, beating out Democrat Todd Litton in the vacant Houston area district. 
Former Navy SEAL, as I mentioned, he's now being lauded as a Republican rising star. So good to see that. We'll keep an eye on him in Washington. Also, we talked about the untimely passing of a good friend of ours, the owner of the Moonlight Bunny Ranch in Nevada, Dennis Huff, who was running for Nevada State Assembly on the Republican line. Well, on Monday, he was laid to rest in a lipstick red casket that was strewn with roses, a floral floral arrangement approximating the silhouettes of two mating rabbits marked his grave perfect for Dennis. The next day, he was posthumously elected to the Nevada State Assembly as a Republican, died October 16th at the age of 72, and Tuesday, he beat the Democrat with 63% of the vote. Now another Republican will fill his seat for the Nevada State Assembly. So uh, interesting development there. Now, two potential taxes, cigar tax raises in Montana and South Dakota. First up in Mouth, uh, Ma- Ma- Mouth Dakota. No, Montana. I-185, an issue of 185, sought to raise the tax on other tobacco products including premium cigars, by 33 to 83% of the wholesale price. The good news, the bill was defeated. It lost. 53% of the voters said, "Ah, nope, don't want any more taxes, uh, especially to fund Medicaid. Not happening. In South Dakota, voters voted on Initiative Measure 25 that would increase the tax on cigarettes as well as other tobacco products, including cigars, from 35 to 55% of the wholesale price. They rejected it by 55%. So good news. Two potential taxes, both killed in Montana and South Dakota. Now, for the Cigar Dave Officers Club November 2018 selection, we have outdone ourselves. We're calling it the World of Davidoff, and it features three cigars, including for the first time ever, a Davidoff-branded cigar. In the World of Davidoff November 2018 selection, we've got the Davidoff Winston Churchill, the late hour. We've got the Avo Synchro Nicaragua and the Camacho Corojo, big, bold cigar. But that Davidoff Winston Churchill late hour, that is the showstopper featuring cigar tobaccos that are aged six months in uh, old scotch whiskey barrels. A fabulous cigar. If you're not a member of the Officers Club, go to CigarDave.com and join right now. Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard. No matter which branch you served, you served this great country, and we salute you this Veterans Day. Anchors Away, the theme song of the United States Navy. And as we know, there's a major rivalry between Army and Navy between both branches of service as well as on the football field. Scotty Neal, former retired Army Green Beret and founder of Amer- co-founder of American Freedom Distillery here in St. Petersburg, our special guest as we originate from his distillery here and enjoying his great horse soldier bourbon whiskey and their wrecker silver rum. Scotty, I'm sure you have uh, told a few Navy jokes in your uh-huh. day. You want to share any? <laughs> <laughs> How do you separate the men from the boys in the Navy? With crowbars. 
So, you know, it's funny, the, all this ribbing aside and everything, my brother served in the Navy, my dad served in the Air Force. Now our sons are serving in the Air Force in the Army. So we've kind of got a blended family, but uh, nobody was crazy enough to go into the Marines. So we're good. Uh, that's it. So here's some other jokes. You know, I'm going to give one for Army. I got I to gotta balance it here. You know why the Army football team should change its name to the Opossums? No. Because they play dead at home and get killed on the road. That's right. <laughs> oh, Army. Uh, what do you get when you breed a groundhog and a West Point cadet? <laughs> Six more weeks of bad football. Nah. <laughs> I got to find a few Navy ones here to, to, to balance it out. So, because I got a lot of, oh, wait a minute. Here, let's see. Uh... Uh, no, I can't, re- can't repeat that one on the air. <laughs> but it's all in good fun. And you know what? To me, that Army-Navy rivalry, no matter the teams could both be winless throughout yep. the course of the year, which they're not. They're both have won. But when you look at, at uh, that rivalry, it's highlighted just on that day. CBS broadcast that. Now it's from, uh, what is it, Lincoln Financial Field in, in Philadelphia. Yep. But when you look at that game, the pageantry, the rivalry, the pres- President Trump attended last yeah, year. Commander-in-Chief's Cup. Commander-in-Chief's Cup. It really is something very special, a cool rivalry, and everybody in the stands dressed in their, you know, their military best. It really is a cool, uh, cool tradition. It is one of the oldest traditions in football, certainly. And if you look uh, as uh, somebody in the Army, even down to the enlisted side and those that attended academies, just the amount of preparation, uh, the pranks they play on each other, the videos, the amount of you know flying off of carriers and submarines and just the taunting that goes on in the parking lot especially. And then the game uh, all comes to a quick stop with the playing of the national anthem and the colors, and then it's on. And then, But there's a lot of hugs and kisses, and uh, let's celebrate afterwards no matter who won. All right, here's a quick uh, random Air Force joke for you. Since we've got the Navy, the Army, we've got to do an Air Force. How many Air Force cadets does it take to change a flat tire? <laughs> Three. Two to go for a beer and one to call daddy. That's right. I guess there's a the Air Force, there's a little the bit of a... gentleman's force. The gentleman's force. Okay, interesting. I guess we see... Uh, uh, let's see. I'm trying to remember. Um, I'd say Muffy would be the guy's girlfriend, but Biff, Biff, yep. Captain Biff, and his girlfriend Muffy in the Air Force. No, we we appreciate everybody's service, and we're all doing it in good fun. Scotty Neal, a Green Beret Army veteran, American Freedom Distillery co-founder, our guest as we commemorate Veterans Day. When we come back, we'll talk about Pete Davidson's uncalled for joke. And it really wasn't a joke because it wasn't funny. Nothing funny about it uh, against Dan Crenshaw last Saturday night on SNL. We will talk about that as we continue. The November selection for the Cigar Dave Officers Club is the world of Davidoff, including the Avo Synchro Nicaragua. This smoke combines Nicaraguan and Dominican tobaccos, creating a smooth and balanced box-pressed cigar with unexpected depth and complexity. Not a member of the Officers Club? Get premium cigars shipped directly to you every month by signing up today at CigarDave.com. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. 
Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar-making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. The Marines hymn. Everybody thinks it's called uh, from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli. It is actually just called the Marines hymn, the official hymn of the United States Marine Corps, introduced by the first director of the United States Marine Corps Band, Francesco Maria Scala. Here's a little fact. It is the oldest official song in the United States Armed forces and it is typically sung at the position of attention as a gesture of respect the third verse is used as a toast during formal events such as the birthday ball and other ceremonies a very very popular song and i remember the first time i probably heard it was when the boston pops arthur fiedler at one of the uh, july 4th concerts played it but it is certainly a very recognized song. From the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli, we fight our country's battles in the air, on land and sea. And when you want to learn more about the history of the Marines, why do they talk about the shores of Tripoli? Very interesting. goes way, way back. I think I want to say almost 200 years uh, with the United States uh, Marines. And uh, there's a very interesting... In fact, Brian Kilmeade wrote a book of Fox News uh, talking about that, so we'll have to get uh, him on to talk about that uh, maybe next Veterans Day. I'll call Brian. I actually have a cell number. I, I had him at the Florida Broadcasters Association. I should just call him right now, see what he's doing. You know, hey, Brian, listen, come on right now. But I'll never forget. He's like, here, here's my number. Take, take it. I'm like, okay, no problem. He's like, yeah, call me anytime. So Brian Kilmeade, some great books that he has written, and we will uh, definitely have uh, him on talking about that. All right, as we commemorate Veterans Day. Last Saturday night, I don't watch Saturday Night Live anymore. I don't even DVR it anymore. I took it off my DVR probably last, I want to say maybe February or March, when it just became unfunny. It was not funny anymore. I'd always like the opening scene. If you watch the first half hour going way back to when Saturday Night Live started back in the early 70s, you could count on the first half hour to be must-see comedic television. Their opening segment usually was hysterical, could be political, could be current event related, but it was always funny. And the first half hour just 
you know, move, boom, boom, boom. And over the last probably two years or so, when all they do is bash Trump, all they do is uh, just bash anything associated with the administration, it gets repetitive. I want to be entertained. I want to watch SNL to laugh, not to see, uh, what's his name, the guy that attacked, uh, who's the actor that I, I can't stand? Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, Sergeant. St- I, I want to get rid of the guy's name because I can't stand him. Alec. Ba- By the way, Alec Baldwin was sentenced. As you know, he had a little altercation last week with uh, somebody taking his parking spot, and he got physical, was arrested for assault. He was sentenced to death, and he no longer is alive. So, uh, <laughs> Alec Baldwin, don't rest in peace. No, I'm just kidding. Although people said when I put that on Twitter, said, "General, that's a great, that's a great idea." And if it offended anybody, good. I'm glad. In any event, SNL is no longer funny. Uh, just watching the constant bombardment of just going after President Trump and the administration. I want to be entertained. You know, I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican. The one thing that was great when you watched SNL way back and watched The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, even Jay Leno, they went after everybody. You didn't know whether they were a Democrat or Republican. It was humorous. It wasn't mean-spirited. Now it is the same repetitive nonsense on SNL. So therefore, I just don't watch it and don't even DVR it. So on Sunday, when I catch up on Twitter and on Drudge Report and start seeing stories and the headline, Pete Davidson under fire for poking fun at veterans eye patch. I obviously wanted to see what this is all about. So I checked the video. We will play the audio component for you of what Pete Davidson had to say during the SNL uh, newscast uh, portion of Saturday Night Live. This guy's kind of cool, uh, Dan Crenshaw. Uh, oh, come on, man. Yo, hold on. Uh, you may be surprised to hear he's a congressional candidate from Texas and not a hitman in a porno movie. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I know he lost his eye in, in war or whatever. <laughs> you know, like, lost his eye, his war or whatever, and, and, and the, the fellow cast members are laughing. And here's what's more disturbing. The audience is laughing. Dan Crenshaw is running for Congress, a congressional candidate from Texas. But Dan Crenshaw served uh, in, in Afghanistan and lost his eye when it, uh, actually, correction, he's a retired Navy SEAL, lost an eye in Afghanistan during an IED attack. I was mortified when I saw it, when I watched it, even more mortified when I saw people laughing at it and people trying to come to Pete Davidson's defense saying, well, it's just in the spirit of comedy and, and, and he wasn't going after him. It was just a funny thing. I'm sorry. There is nothing funny about it. There are certain things that should not be joked upon. I'd like to, and here's what's even more disturbing. Pete Davidson's father was a, a, fire, a, a fireman during 9-11 and lost his life during 9-11. So you would think that he would be a little more sensitive, a little more cognizant of why Dan Crenshaw was serving, especially considering that Pete Davidson's father died when he was, I think, six or seven years old. So you would think he would have a modicum of respect and understanding he doesn't. Pete Davidson is a very disturbed individual. He is effed up. He's more than effed up. The kid is screwed. Look at him with his uh, pasty, uh, blonde, uh, frosted hair and this Ariana Grande spectacle watching them uh, out and about. And she dumped his ass because she realized what a nutcase he was. But this, to me, is 
just even Democrats on the Sunday shows and thereafter on the cable networks couldn't come to his defense. I think there was one or two that said, well, he tried to do it as a joke, but it didn't come out right. No, I'm sorry. And let me, Scotty, let me bring you into this because you served in Afghanistan. Uh, you came back, uh, thankfully, without any injuries. But when you look at somebody that has served, it lost his eye. And, and lucky that he still has sight in another eye. To me, it is just unacceptable. And what's, what's more disturbing, NBC hasn't apologized. Comcast hasn't come out and apologized. They haven't come out saying this is unacceptable. Lauren Michaels, the executive producer, hasn't said, we went over the line. This is unacceptable. And you know what? As a company, we apologize, and we're going to donate to, uh, to some service uh, organizations who help those who are recovering from injuries uh, in, during their service in Afghanistan or Iraq or anywhere across the globe. Just unacceptable to me, Scotty. And I think what we're, I've seen myself, first of all, I don't know who Pete is or who she is. I don't know Trust which me, look side at him. he is. He does look like a she, doesn't ah, he? There you go. That's why I was confused earlier. But, you know, there seems to be this uh, sense that if you say something so outrageous and so bad, it is actually good press for you to be that obnoxious. And then you just have to weather the bad comments and the feedback and pushback. And so, you know, it's, it is a conversation and comedy as well. I remember the grace just like you do. And there was a little rib, a little jab. It was kind of intellectual. You had to think a little bit to get the joke and the butt of it. But there was truth in it. What you see now is just hypocrisy. And you just see, you know what I mean, grandstanding on a scale. He didn't do it on a cuff. This is a major produced show. Right. Um, it was very deliberate. It was a very deliberate attack Right, It was just poorly delivered, and he should suffer all the consequences for it as well. And unfortunately, he won't. No. Because what happens in this country now, if a Republican would have done this or, or offended somebody else, the howls from the libstream media would have been unending. Mm -hmm. Every Democrat would have been jumping up and down, saying this is unacceptable, this is outrageous. Not only should he apologize, he should be fired, his life should be over, he should be executed, he should never be heard from again. But silence. Dead silence when it comes to Pete Davidson. Well, Look, silence is suffering, especially on their side. If they say nothing, then you really got them, you know, by admitting it. So, well, I can tell you yeah. that if, if I was one of the senior executives for Comcast, Universal, NBC, I was Brian Roberts or one of the other executives, the chairman and CEO of, of uh, Comcast, Universal, I would have immediately, that night, the next day I heard it, called Lauren Michaels, the executive producer, called the president of NBC and said, this is unacceptable. This is over the line. This isn't a matter of free speech. This is a matter of good taste. And there's nothing tasteful about it in any way, shape, or form. I'm going to come out with a statement. You are all going to come out, and this will never happen again. And Lauren, if it does, your ass is out. Now, Lauren Michaels has been around for 40-some-odd years. Runs that show with an iron fist. Yes. Nothing goes by. He didn't just insert that at the last second. That was in the teleprompter, knew exactly what was going on. But for him to not stop that, and all I say is, Let's see what happens if Lauren Michaels, one of his members of his family, or Pete Davidson, or another member, God forbid something like that happened, where they were in an accident, or something where they lost their sight, or even worse. Let's see how many jokes they would start cracking at their own expense. The answer is zero. Unacceptable. What you've seen, though, is the quiet professionalism of the SEAL that he said that about. Right. You know what I mean? He took the higher road immediately. He talked about, you know, 
his service and his honor and some people that are more injured than himself. And so hopefully he's turned that to the people and understand, you know, what this modern day veterans, you know, what kind of candor and commitment and honor and sacrifice they have. And, you know, it just, you know, I don't understand it. I don't understand it with the the flag controversy and the kneeling controversy, all these things. It just was never brought up this way. It would never be part of our veteran and military culture. Yet we're the first to, uh, um, you know what I mean? Defend, Quietly defend, yeah, defend the free freedom speech to be and an the idiot. Right to do it. Exactly. And there are tons of them out there. And and you hit it right on the head with Dan Crenshaw. What he said. He's a Republican uh, uh, from Texas uh, who ran for the Texas Second District. He told CNN that uh, the joke on, made on SNL about his appearance was dark. The show should have rethought the joke, but he added he doesn't want a hollow apology. So the first part of that skit was just strange. The second part, I think, is when it just became dark. We have thick skin, but as veterans, it's hard for us to understand why war wounds would elicit such raucous laughter from an audience. Adding, I think they should have uh, rethought that joke a little bit, even if you can call it a joke. It wasn't a joke. Mm -mm. Can you imagine a radio? Television was in its infancy in World War II when the veterans came back. But can you imagine a public official or a radio show back after World War II making fun of any of the injured that came back from World War II? Never. And I'll tell you what the problem is. The lack of respect from kids like Pete Davidson that are in their 20s, in their early 20s, mid-20s, the entitled generation, the millennial generation that's been handed everything. Everybody gets a participation trophy. The problem is they never had the right discipline. Mm-hmm. Because I will tell you, if I would have done that... When I was that age, I don't care what age, my parents certainly would have given it to me, and I never would have even considered doing it because that's how we were brought up. You just don't do it. It's, it's in poor taste, it's inappropriate, and it's unacceptable. Well, if you think about the great comedians of the time with Bob Hope and what he did for veterans, right, and to go overseas with the USO tour, and you look at Martha Ray, and you look at you know all of those great comedians uh, from Robin Williams and how they valued the support of the soldier by actually volunteering and going to the USO. Um, what we haven't done is we haven't maintained that legacy from our entertainers to go to the Ford battlefield to experience the haze of combat on the edges and to support our troops. And I guarantee you they would never come back and never. even partake in any of that. Never, never. It's unacceptable. And again, why hasn't... Comcast, Universal, NBC, why haven't the executives come out and said, this is unacceptable? And it really, to me, tells you the level of boorish uh, behavior that they have and the lack of class that Mm -hmm. these senior executives, because even if they said, that was a show that did it, I disagree with it, It's and I I am not going to allow this to happen again. We apologize to Mr. Crenshaw, and we apologize to every veteran out there because we appreciate their service. But the fact that nobody did that is even more disturbing. Maybe we need a hashtag vets too, right? You're right. And uh, let's remind people, if you look through that executive committee uh, and see whose sons serve, we have a disproportionate amount of average everyday American sons and daughters that serve, and we have this kind of privileged wealth and educational systems where they do not serve, so they don't understand the sacrifice, and they can't see it because the news doesn't report it. Look, I, I've always said this, and I believe it, and when I was 18, I signed up for selective service. I want to get in the Air Force, but because my vision was in 2020, they wouldn't let me in. What a huge mistake. I would have been a great pilot for them. <laughs> but in any event, I've always said, what Israel does at 18, you have two years of mandatory service. It is amazing what happens. Not only do you have a greater respect for your country, mm-hmm. but you have a greater respect, I think, for yourself and those that have served before you, and you tend to value things a little bit 
differently. And I believe in this country, even if we said one year of mandatory service mm-hmm. for everybody, makes no difference what age. And if you say, great, well, medically, you can't serve in the Army or the Air Force or the Navy, fine. One year of service to this country, community service, other things that you can't get out of. The that Peace everybody, Corps, whatever it is, the you have to serve Corps. this country. Yes. And, you know, service is a great devotion to oneself. It, it kind of opens yourself and matures it a lot. If you look at some of the things that happen in Europe and other compulsory services, it really is across the board. Um, today, these youths, they do not want to serve. They don't want to serve their community. They don't want to serve others. They only want mom to serve them. And so what we created, and we've kind of lost focus and point about you know, the sacrifice to one's fellow citizens and uh, that kind of thing. So when I was a young soldier, we were stripped away of all individuality. Uh, We were retrained into a purpose, into a mission. You know, patriotism came out of that. And we, you know, I went on to be a soldier. It's the same thing that could be said once again for the Peace Corps and in the Depression era when we developed the Conservation Corps. And so there are a lot of options. And unfortunately, our think tanks today don't think about what we should do as a country. Well, I always, I, I get a kick, and I tweeted this, this is a while ago, where some kid was complaining or, or they were talking about how they were, they were uh, set off on college campuses. They were, uh, not provoked, but they were uh, trying to remember the, the correct term. Triggered. Thank you, Sergeant Steve. They, yes, they were triggered over something. Who knows? Somebody came to speak, and they were triggered, and they needed at Ohio State or Michigan or Michigan State. They needed a safe space because it was so stressful. And I tweeted. I said, "Here are the eighteen. This is the eighteen-year-olds today. They're triggered because somebody's speaking. While meanwhile, they need a safe space. Here's the safe space that the seventeen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, and nineteen-year-old." boys in World War II, and there's a picture of them up to their ass in water mm-hmm. and, and, and other GIs as they're storming the beaches of Normandy. And I said, isn't it amazing what a difference 50 years makes? Well, I think uh, today we, uh, we, we do everything we can not to trigger somebody. Back then, it was anti-coddling. Remember, your dad said, don't coddle them. Right. You know, let them cry. They're so- I said, let it happen. Let's kids are soft some- in the United States. They are soft today. And, it's, and I can't tell you how many parents that said, they say to me, Dave, it's my fault. I wanted, I came up with a tough upbringing. I wanted my kids to have it easier. But the mistake I made was we gave them everything. And now they can't even make their own decisions. Mm-hmm. We can't, you know, one of, a, a friend of mine was telling me, he told his kid, hey, listen, you know what? You're going to get a job this summer. You're not touring Europe like you did last summer. And you're not doing this. And the kid said, well, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. That, that that's, that's, that's punishment. And he's like, no, that's the wor- real world. But it's amazing that this kid who's been so coddled it's almost like the kid wanted to report his father to uh, to, to, to uh, child welfare because he's has, the father's making the kid get a job. Well, it's funny. When uh, I joined the service, it was actually because my dad sat me down one day and said, where are you going to live when you graduate? Right. right. And, you know, when's your first job? And so being an active parent was not only shielding you from the tough part of life, but letting you experience it as well. And then the generation was, you need to make your way through the world. Now I'm here to help you and I give you what you need, not what you want. Well, we've lost that. The millennial generation is the wussified generation. Mm -hmm. The good news is there still are numerous members of the millennial generation who are serving, who are not betas, who are alphas, who say, I respect this country. I want to serve this country and uh, understand the sacrifice that is involved. But like I said, one year of mandatory service from everybody, boy, 
girl from 18 to 19 would do this entire country great. You wouldn't see kids that would be kneeling. You wouldn't see kids that would just uh, make fun like this Pete Davidson of mm-hmm. a veteran coming back with, uh, with, with, without an eye. That nonsense would end. The final and concluding segment of this Veterans Day edition of the Cigar Dave Show from American Freedom Distillery in St. Petersburg comes your way next. The Cigar Dave Show honors all who served to preserve the ideals with which our country was built. We're honoring all veterans this Veterans Day. America is under attack. Basic freedoms, privileges, and acts that we would normally take for granted are disappearing each day, including the simple ability to enjoy a cigar. This is Glenn Loop, Executive Director of Cigar Rights of America, CRA. At a time when elected officials should be thinking about education, public safety, and creating jobs, they are actually thinking about smoking bans, new taxes, and regulations of historic proportions on premium cigars. The cigars that provide us with pleasure, relaxation, and fellowship are under attack. We have to stop it. That's why Cigar Rights of America was created, to work for a new political day for cigar enthusiasts across America, to roll back restrictive laws and defeat onerous taxes and regulations that impact everyone from your local cigar shop to your personal humidor. For the price of a few great cigars, be a part of this effort to protect your right to enjoy a cigar without excessive taxation and cumbersome legislation. Go to CigarRights.org. Let's tell the government we've had enough. Join now, CigarRights.org. Every month. Members of the Cigar Dave Officers Club receive fantastic cigars. But I have outdone myself once again. For the first time ever, the November 2018 Officers Club selection entitled The World of Davidoff will feature a Davidoff-branded cigar. We're featuring the Davidoff Winston Churchill, the late hour. When you think of Churchill, you think of cigars, you think of whiskey. Davidoff married both. They took cigar tobaccos, they aged them in single malt scotch whiskey barrels for six months. The result, a beautiful medium, medium, full, rich tasting cigar. We're also featuring the Avo Synchro Nicaragua, beautiful square press cigar, and also the Camacho Corojo, a very big, bold Honduran cigar. Three great cigars in the November 2018 Cigar Dave Officers Club, the world of Davidoff. If you're not a member of the Officers Club, go now to CigarDave.com, 20 $2.95 per month gets you fantastic cigars. Cigardave.com and become a member of the Cigar Dave Officers Club. The official song of the United States Army, last but not least, as we wrap up our Veterans Day edition of the Cigar Dave Show from American Freedom Distillery with retired Green Beret Scotty Neal and co-founder of American Freedom Distillery. We didn't forget you, Scotty. The Army goes rolling along in the Quezon song. Wanted to make sure we made you feel at home. You probably thought we forgot about you. Well, the others need all the attention, but we close up the rear. <laughs> there is a definite, uh, there's a further joke there, but we won't get into that. Scotty, on behalf of every one of our alphas and uh, lieutenants listening, I want to thank you for your service and give you a snappy salute and a happy thank Veterans you. Day to you. We are going to post, uh, there is some great discounts from uh, restaurants and from businesses for veterans all across the country, Dunkin' Donuts, Denny's, California Pizza Kitchen, Buffalo Wild Wings, uh, Applebee's, 
you name it. There's a whole bunch of them. Red Lobster, Little Caesars, Golden Corral, Goodyear. We'll post those so that you can see where you can properly uh, get a discount just as a small token of these businesses to thank you for your service. As always, Scotty, we appreciate coming from thank you very American much Freedom for Distillery. Me again. As always, Cigar Dave, the general saying, Mayor Humidor, always be full. Mayor Cutter, always be sharp. Mayor Ashby, extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make America great again. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure to all our great veterans that are listening. And those that aren't, I salute all of you and wish you a happy Veterans Day. We thank you for your service. We thank you for your bravery. May you continue on this great planet.